What is up, Lint Lucid Podcast fans? We are happy to have you back for season eight of the show. This season is brought to you by Vera Health, an amazing cannabis company located right here in Denver, Colorado. Visit our website, litlucid.com, to learn more about our sponsors and to view our previous episodes. And if you're enjoying the show, be sure to share with a friend and give us a review on your favorite platform. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here in season eight of the show. Oh my gosh, we are at 80 episodes so far, which is amazing, and I never really even thought we'd get here. So thank you all for joining us in this Lit and Lucid journey. Uh, today we have Winston Boney. She is the CEO of Highly Educated. Highly Educated is a female-owned and operated company where they're focusing on um, offering reliable and up-to-date educational courses for bud tenders and other people looking to enter the industry. Uh, Winston has a background as being a bud tender, as well as a trimmer, as well as some consulting work that landed her to today where she started the Highly Educated. So she wanted to use those past experiences to kind of help educate others and offer really reliable, up-to-date information for those to use in their jobs, as well as, you know, to focus more on offering dispensaries this opportunity to educate and, you know, work on helping out their bud tenders. Uh, we did speak about bud tender education in a past episode, which kind of sparked Winston to reach out to us. So we're excited to learn a little bit more about her background and the highly educated. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. And congrats on 80 episodes. That's pretty incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I know it's been a lot of fun and I wouldn't be here without guests like yourself and all the listeners out there listening. So again, uh, thank you to all involved. It is not just Lucy and I. It is a team effort. So teamwork has certainly made the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's like one of my favorite things to say. Teamwork makes the dream work. It's the best, isn't it? It's the best, yeah. Cool. And I'm glad it kind of brought us here because, you know, it's a natural evolution in the market. I think that we, everybody kind of gets started and you kind of build a foundation and and after a while, you know, you have to take time to reflect to figure out, you know, what's next? What should we do? we be doing now? And I think that's kind of what you've done here with Highly Educated and kind of how you approached us of saying, you know, it's all great and all to sell marijuana and have dispensaries, but I think there's something missing here. And, and uh, you know, I'm excited to, to address that later in the show. But why don't yeah, we just kind absolutely. of, yeah, why don't we just start with, you know, the foundation of, you know, how did you get here and, and where did you all start? Yeah, it's a wild story. I mean, it really did start when I was living in Georgia. I was... Um, well, actually, let me go back a little bit farther. I traveled to Ghana uh, to do some work out there, and I got really, really sick, and I didn't know what the sickness was, and I ended up being diagnosed with um, psoriasis, which was a really weird diagnosis. And my doctor in Savannah put me on a, a medication called methotrexate, which if anyone has been on has had cancer, they know that medicine. Um, it's really intense, and uh, it, it made me very ill. And I started to medicate with uh, cannabis and realized, like, the full spectrum of benefits that um, can come with it. At first, it was just a recreational thing for me. I was 18 at the time. Um, so I really realized, like, wow, this is just so much more powerful than I thought it was. So I transferred uh, when I was 20 uh, to CU Boulder. And uh, after graduation, I immediately went into the cannabis industry at 21 because that's obviously how old you can be to legally work in the market 
and um, started as a bud tender at a small mom and pop shop up in a town called Nederland, Colorado, uh, called the Grow House, which it's no longer there anymore. But uh, that's how I got started in the industry. It started from being personally ill um, and then just coming to Colorado and like seeing the community and seeing all of these amazing people doing incredible things. It just felt like there was just so much that I could do within this industry besides just bud tending. So that's sort of how the highly educated started. Nice. Yeah. it's kind of interesting too, how individuals, you know, a lot of the individuals today who were involved with cannabis, a lot of it came through the, the medicinal side of it. And I think that really speaks to the power of the plant where people will completely alter their lives based on, you know, the interaction with the plant for medical purposes. And I think that, you know, totally rings true in your story. Yeah. And it's wild how many people I've met who have very similar stories to mine and, and honestly, like way worse. Like my, I just had a really bad case of strep throat for seven months and it went under undiagnosed. Um, and that's why I was on the methotrexate. I mean, I've met women who have had breast cancer, had to, um, get, mastectomies and and you know have ended up starting uh consulting businesses helping other women who've dealt with breast cancer and using cannabis as an alternative medicine i mean that's just one of many examples of people who have um been sort of inspired by the plant from their own personal uses whether it's pts to cancer to anxiety or whatever it is and then you know really wanting to get into the business side of things because they see the potential of their ability to help other people and um i think that's really where a lot of people start is that that basis of like one health and two community Mm -hmm. and i feel like that's kind of bringing us to the point you know of the bud tender i'm just thinking it through while you're sharing your story and you know you guys play such an important role in you know this story of cannabis. I mean, people are coming to dispensaries with various ailments looking for some sort of resolution. And maybe it's just like on a whim that they're looking towards cannabis or desperation. But I mean, these bud tenders are really the gatekeepers at that point to offering them plant medicine. Yeah, I I think the responsibility that a bud tender has beyond the roles of just like being in a dispensary, but that interpersonal role between consumer and bud tender is so crucial. And that's why you know, for me, at least, that's why I wanted to start the Highly Educated because, believe me, I love my bud tenders. And I actually still bud tend part-time at a wonderful dispensary um, because I like to stay sharp and I really like the consumer interaction I have. Um, and so I want to say that a lot of bud tenders go into this without having any education. They're young, they're 21, they're fresh out of college or, uh, you know, they've been working at a retail job for a while and they want to switch over to cannabis and they have no training. And unfortunately, a lot of dispensaries out there don't have mandated training and there are states that don't have mandated training. And so you do see a lot of misinformation spread. So I want to make it clear that I am aware that there's misinformation out there. But, you know, it's not really on the fault of the bud tender. At the end of the day, it's on the fault of the dispensary for not wanting to do the appropriate training and not wanting to spend the money to educate the bud tender on the product and all of that. And so when I saw that issue happening in Massachusetts, like a freshly new state where the median age of a consumer was between 45 and 65 years old, way different than Colorado or California. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like a very unique state. And I saw misinformation in you know, right in front of me being passed on. I just couldn't hold my tongue anymore. I, you know, quit working for other people and started the highly educated. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah. And I think that speaks to kind of, you know, your passion obviously is to spread accurate information and kind of be a resource for the individuals. 
you know, what were some of the things that you were concerned with that pushed you in this direction? Mm, oh my God, a million. <laughs> uh, it was really interesting, you know, to talk a little bit about Massachusetts here because I know we're going to. A lot of the hiring process in dispensaries came not from um, hiring people out of state, like from Colorado or from California where there's lots of experience, but hiring from, you know, corporate standpoints. Um even when you talk about marketing, like hiring people who have been working in marketing for years but have absolutely no cannabis experience, and you see a lot of like compliance infractions there. Um, so that was a real issue education wise because these people just didn't know anything about cannabis from the get go. They were all corporate executives. Um, yeah. So starting even at that level, um, doing consulting for businesses and seeing that there wasn't anybody on board that had worked in cannabis before, and they're starting this like huge grow up. Like, wow, okay, yeah. that was shocking to me to I there was so many times where I was probably the only person in the room who had worked in cannabis prior to being there whether it was a dispensary or a grow or an extraction lab I mean it was just wild um so it just made me really honestly got frustrated um that there wasn't this respect for sort of the OGs who mm-hmm. had been in the game for a long time who knew what they were doing um, and this move towards a, like a corporate push. And I still had that frustration with Massachusetts. So that was also like a huge, you know, fire in my heart at least to educate these people about the plant at a very, very minimum, like very minimum knowledge base. Yeah. So let's just backtrack here to kind of tie it all together for the listeners you know, after CU Boulder and Grow House, I'm guessing you went on to uh, Massachusetts. So tell us a little yes. bit about your transition to Massachusetts, and then we'll kind of just talk about the Massachusetts market kind of in general after that. Sure. sure. So I was hired um, by uh, a wonderful company that I still really support out in Massachusetts in the western part of the state to uh, help them start their dispensary and train their bud tenders. Um, it was a great experience for me, but it just ended up not working out, which is fine. As we know with dispensaries, sometimes things can be difficult. Um, train all the bud tenders did all of their education. And that really sparked that. Okay. I really, really want to do this on a larger scale. So I called up my old manager from my dispensary. We had always wanted to go into business together. I said to her, would you like to start a consulting firm? There's just so many people who need, uh, you know, our experience out here in the East Coast. And she said, yeah, sure. So we started a business called Coast to Coast Consulting, which we still run on, on the side. Um, and that was really great. We were super successful. We made a lot of money. That was awesome. Uh, but morally, ethically, uh, spiritually, energetically, it was draining mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I realized I was we were putting money into pockets of people that we, we wouldn't want to buy weed from. We wouldn't want to uh, support. Um, so we shifted and started the highly educated uh, based on the fact that we had the skills to help young people start businesses. Uh, we had the skills to empower them to do leadership training, to educate them, um, you know, from like very, very simple education all the way to like very intense cannabis education. education. And we realized it was going to be very difficult for us to reach each individual person. Um, in person. So mm-hmm. we decided to create an online platform. That way we could reach anybody at any time in any country, any time zone, any place. Um, and if they needed our advice, if they needed our help, we were always just, you know, a direct message or an email away instead of it having to be, you know, in person, every interaction in person. 
Right. Yeah, because that's a lot nowadays. You can't that's be, a lot. You can't be everywhere at once. It's so hard. Right. You like digitized your your consulting business in a way. One hundred percent. One hundred percent digitized it, and it just became easier. I, I, you know, it just became easier for us because my my business partner Emily lives in Washington State, mm-hmm. and I lived in Massachusetts at the time. So oh, man, yeah. to create that online platform meant that we could do our work being three hours apart and still be able to have a functioning business you know it's very difficult to do in-person consulting when you know you're both not physically in the same place yeah yeah so let's talk about that because i was looking online you guys you know offer courses from regulation to science i saw canna education 101 social media grow your own and then you have some more like sales training and marketing coming on board soon so are these courses for just individuals looking to learn more or you're also selling them to the dispensaries or how does that work I mean, let's be honest, somebody could take the 101 and spread the information to their bartenders. I mean, mm-hmm. we don't, we're not, you know, naive to the fact that that has happened. Um, but we do have specific dispensary training and management courses and also a la carte menus. So we'll send a menu out, like a sushi place, of all the topics you could possibly cover. We send that out to dispensaries, and they get to pick and choose what they want their staff to learn. Uh, and then we'll, we'll either send them um, pre, preset, uh, you know, presentations and the information and all that, so that they can do the training on their own. Or they, if they're in one of the three states that we operate in, we will go in person and do the training for them. So there are a bunch of options there. So that's the dispensary side, the business side. Now with all the other stuff growing at home, the cannabis 101, the social media management for cannabis businesses, this is all for people who are just starting out really like limited information. We don't claim to be an advanced educational platform by any means. We're talking about creating jobs. It's a big part of the highly educated. So we really want to start at the the bottom, the, the base if you know nothing at all, the 101 course is fabulous for you. It's easy to understand. It's not overwhelming by any means. We keep it, you know, well-tailored so that at no point you're dropping off. And we have a really high retention rate for our students, which is awesome. And we worked with a wonderful, um, they're called Canarite. They're based out of Vancouver, Canada. And Anne-Marie, um, shout out to Anne-Marie, is, has a Master's of Education and Curriculum Development. So she helped us format everything so that we were hitting all learning styles. So that, that no matter where you came from, whether you were a kinetic learner, a visual learner, audio learner, whatever it was, you felt like that your needs were met in our course. That is very cool. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah well, I think it even like, it's like full circle to... You know, the individuals who are entering the market today, as you mentioned earlier, they just don't understand cannabis, but maybe they understand, you know, their position. Maybe they're great at, you know, mid-level management. Maybe they're great at retail sales, but 1,000%. they just 1,000%. don't understand cannabis. So you're literally solving that problem by just saying, exactly. I'm going to teach you about cannabis. That's awesome. Exactly. A big demographic for us, for example, are nurses. Mm-hmm. Um, we have nurses come to us all the time taking this course. Um, people who are getting their medical degree, people who... Um, are in the medical field see that cannabis is now becoming a really large part of their lives but their training is it it doesn't have any of that in it so they feel this inadequate um well they feel this void when it comes to cannabis training in the medical field right now because of the fda um so believe it or not nurses are a huge demographic for us also you know like accountants uh real estate agents people who have regular 
jobs, who've been working these regular jobs for years, and now they're living in Colorado, or they're living in Oklahoma, or they're living in Nevada, and, um, you know, their clients are cannabis companies. They don't want to feel out of the loop. They mm-hmm. want to feel like they're able to participate in conversations with their clients. Um, and so those people are the ones who are taking our 101 course, for sure. Uh, that, and also people who are looking to get in at an entry level. We keep our costs, like, very low compared to our competitors, mm-hmm. because we do realize, like, Another majority of our students are people who really want to change career paths. To be honest, when you're changing a career path and you're 24 years old, you do not have $2,000 to drop on a course. I mean, it's hard enough to go to college, let alone. Right. We try to keep our prices low and do we do seasonal discounts for people who are on our waiting list. Um so yeah, so that's a little bit about like how we're different, um, and and a little bit about all the courses that we offer. Yeah, yeah, and I'm excited to kind of dig more into uh, you know what operators can get out of this and why it's important for the operator and why you know maybe people who are in new states you know why something like bud tender training should be at the top of their list. Uh, but yes. first, let's take a uh, we're gonna take a quick break though to thank our sponsors, and then we'll be right back to hear on why operators should care. Stay Great. tuned. Using the knowledge they gained in the pharmaceutical industry, Vera Health is transforming the CBD space with products that actually work. With their scientific formulations and a world-class team, Vera Health creates CBD products with superior bioavailability for endocannabinoid system support. Vera Health products include CBD oral micromist sprays, CBD topical salves, and CBD soft gel capsules. See what everyone is talking about and try for yourself at www.verahealth.com. Vera, because it works. All right, we're back and thank you to our sponsors there. And when we left off, we were discussing the benefits of the program, what the program was and kind of how it all came about. And now I kind of want to touch on the other aspect of it, of why does it matter to dispensary operators and owners you know, I understand there's maybe some financial benefits to providing bud tender education. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Sure, totally. Um, I think the benefit, and I'm going to talk about it from like my point of view as a current bud tender as well. Um, when I when I'm on the floor and I know what I'm talking about, I know the product, um, and I'll actually like use a sales pitch example. I'm on the floor and I'm talking to somebody and they say, oh, you know, I'm in here because I would like, you know, some, I'm not sure. And then I go, well, what kind of effect are you looking for? And when the second you say that, what kind of effect are you looking for? That immediately puts the consumer in a place where they're empowered. That's huge. Empowering the consumer to make a decision based on what they like, what they've had before, and then being able to execute their desire, whether you have the product or not, it, it, it creates customer retention. And then also it then creates an understanding of what that consumer likes. And then you're able to sell them other stuff they may like. So say that they're really into a more uplifting, energetic, creative type high, and you just sold them an eighth of tangy power. And then you're like, you know what? I tried these 
gummies and they were incredible. I felt super uplifted. It was a really nice high for me. I had a really great time. I went hiking with my dogs. Oh, you know what? Let me try that. That sounds great. And oh, you know what else we have? We have a two for five deal on these sativa joints that I have pre-rolled and it's golden nugget, which is a strain that has been shown to be fantastic for, you know, creativity um, because it's really high in limonene. And when you're able to talk like that from a a place of knowledge, you can then refer other products to that consumer. So when you're just, you know, just a bud tender who doesn't really know much about the product, doesn't really know about terpenes, doesn't know about cannabinoids, you don't have that same interaction with the consumer. It tends to be consumer led, not bud tender led. So they'll come in and say, I want an eighth of that. Mm -hmm. Okay, here's your eighth. Okay, have a great day. Bye. And all they did was buy the eighth. You didn't even add in the gummies. You didn't even add in the two other joints because you didn't know what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, and also I, besides, you know, the ability to upsell and, you know, offer them other options that they haven't even thought about. There's just a lot of misinformation from, you know, bud tenders to the consumer, you know, like a lot of consumers will come in and it might be their first time with cannabis. And, you know, maybe the bud tender is, you know, an avid consumer and to them, you know, a hundred milligram, chocolate bar is great but to this person you know two milligram chocolate bar is like over the edge and I see that all the time where you know they're offering yeah you know just like take a whole whole one or whatever and it's like no and it's it's scary yeah it's really awful it's really awful to see that happen and to see such nonchalant conversations with bud tenders about oh yeah I ate 500 milligrams once and like went to a party it's like that is an insane amount and we shouldn't be even discussing this on the floor in front of consumers because then we could be spreading misinformation that 500 milligrams is a normal amount for Mm -hmm. a human to take which we know isn't right Mm -hmm. and so operator wise if we're speaking from an operator point of view why training your tenders makes you more money one the upsell but two also customer retention and customer you know comfortability does somebody want to go into a dispensary and then feel like really weird that they can only take five milligrams and they're overhearing these bud tenders talk about, you know, what you just said, taking a mm-hmm. hundred milligrams. And then the bud tenders giving the advice to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of misinformation out there. And unfortunately, bud tenders are sort of the base of that misinformation. So either we can be the base of a really transformative experience where we're really teaching people about the benefits of cannabinoids and terpenes and the entourage effect and like correct dosing and like taking your time and journaling about it. Or it could be the complete opposite. And we've alienated our customer. We've made them feel like they know nothing about cannabis. We've made them feel out of touch with their body and out of touch with the product. And then they're probably not going to want to come back. Yeah, to exactly. that dispensary. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's just so many reasons why education is so important for an operator more than just the upsell. Yeah, we've definitely been to dispensaries where we wanted to go back because the bud tenders were so good and so friendly. And, you know, we left yeah. there and had like a great experience. I'm like, those guys really knew their stuff. And, you know, they just found a way to like eloquate you. So, you know, it definitely goes both ways. You know, you have a, you have a bad experience or consumer has a bad experience. They're probably not going to go back and buy from that shop. And two, there's also the chance that they're going to also not become a long-term cannabis user or be able to experience the benefits of the plant medicine because they had a bad first experience. You know, say if somebody, you know, new to edibles and they take 10 milligrams, that can be a lot. Mm-hmm. That can be, be a, a lot. Huge heart race and all of that. 
Um, and they're going to be really turned off on edibles going forward when maybe, you know, if they would have took, you know, a microdose, two and a half or five milligrams, it would be perfect. And so that's the stuff I worry about because I'm like, I don't want to necessarily perpetuate a bad name because we're not getting the right information out. And the other flip side is that I totally think there's dispensaries who have already built their built their prowess and their chain off of offering consumer or basically bud center education to go back and, and educate the consumer. And that's like what differentiates a lot of these, you know, uh, large chain and, and scaled dispensaries who are doing pretty good is that they do take the time, you know, like I think of live well here locally for us and live well has live well university. And they basically, you know, put a lot of their butt tenders through training. There's Link or Learn Brands now who offers, you know, product training to a lot of these chain dispensaries where they're not not only just training, you know, butt tenders on, you know, what are the basics of flour and edibles and blah, blah, blah. They're going product specific and saying, what are the like, benefits of the this specific product? And Incredibles. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. When you're talking about products like that, something that I saw in Massachusetts that really, really ticked me off. And then you guys are going to hear this and it's going to tick you off. And it's not even the fault of the dispensary, nor is it the fault of the bud tender. It's really the fault of the regulations. There's a supply and demand issue in Massachusetts right now. Um, and I can go into why if we want to talk about that. But basically, as it goes, is certain product makers, such as tincture makers, they have such a back order that once it lands in the store, there's this great tincture company out of Massachusetts called Howl's, Howl's Medicinals, like a, a wolf howl. <laughs> and uh, they're so loved, right? Because they're a fantastic company. The second they hit the shelves, though, the bud tenders don't get samples, right? They don't get to try it. Hmm. And by the time that it's there, it's gone so fast that if the bud tender did want to buy it to try it, they probably don't even have the opportunity. So they're blindly selling products to people with with no background information. And that's sort of, sort of why I like what Colorado does with sampling and how companies and sales reps will come in and bring samples to the bud tenders is so that we can go home, try the edible, uh, try the flower, try the vape pen, say, you know what, like I had a fantastic experience with this vape pen because the ratio to CBD and THC just like created this like really great mellow, you know, euphoric high or, you know, these artificial terps are not for me, right? Mm -hmm. And being able to say that and be honest and transparency with sales is yeah. so, so, so crucial to having that trust with the consumer. Mm -hmm. um, and the trust in Massachusetts right now is low. I mean, when I was there, I bought a gram of some very expensive diamonds and it was the wrong strain when I got home. Oh my God. I mean, can you imagine if I was... 50 something and that happened to me with an edible or that happened to me with a right with an edible and it was a different dosage for example the, the labeling in mass didn't have any milliliter dosing for tinctures and i by mistake took way too much one day mm -hmm. and if I'm, I'm imagining my mother going into a store yeah. Yeah. and that happening to her and that's an issue that's a that's a problem mm -hmm. interesting yeah yeah and i think you know in colorado it's totally a thing and it's almost too it's almost so much of a thing for sampling that you can't get your product on the shelf in some places without sampling. And there's like processes. And, you know, I really look up to those companies because they've really taken it seriously. And they've taken, you know, bud tender and consumer education seriously. And I think, you know, it'll naturally expand to places like Massachusetts and a lot of these new markets that are coming online. But it's going to take that conversation so people understand, you know, why this needs to happen and why it's a thing. And it's not that Massachusetts is a bad state or that these dispensaries are bad or that these bud tenders are bad. There's nothing bad about them. And I don't mean to trash the state. It's the regulations. 
it's literally the regulations. That's that's it. It's putting everybody in a bind. You know, there are responsible vendor training programs, um, but the application process for somebody like me takes almost a year to complete. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have four people looking over the Cannabis Control Commission mm-hmm. over applications. Applications for everything. That's yeah. You know, wild. it's insane. It's wild. And there was only two. Uh, as of as of November, there were two people looking over every single application. So you're seeing people having to reapply for original provisional licenses, not even their, you know, their, the end goal license. So it's not the fault of these poor dispensary owners and these poor bud tenders and these poor extraction lab owners. I mean, it's just the state is not moving forward with the regulations that it needs to be and therefore education is being left in the dust because so many dispensary owners by the time they're done with the whole cannabis control commission and massachusetts and the department of public health they don't even have a penny to spend yeah or the the mental capacity to deal with another company you know Mm -hmm. they're just done and i feel for them yeah. Well, that was going to be my point. I mean, you know, it is, it, they are in a, in a, in a bind for sure. I mean, it's very expensive to run a dispensary. And like you said, the last thing they're thinking about is now, oh, I have to go pay X amount of dollars now to educate these right. bud tenders who I think are in a revolving door and they're going to leave in two months. So it's like, what yes. do we care? And so that's another problem is, you know, the high turnover rate of bud tenders and, and you know, the amount of money that they're getting paid. Um, but I think, you know, if these companies are spending more time educating them and offering these services, it is going to create a happier employee, a more educated employee, somebody who wants to stay with that company. So it's worth it in the long run. Yeah, I cannot emphasize that enough. I mean, you really hit the nail on the head right there. The more that the, the employers can show their employees, whether it's through small things like getting Dunkin' Donuts, right? Like. Yeah. I mean, literally, like, the smallest thing will stop the high turnover rate at dispensaries. And education is a big part of that. If people are making good tips, like, I made a $20 tip the other day, which was incredible. Yeah. All because I spent the time with the consumer to educate them on every single product that they were taking. Was it emotionally taxing? Sure. But at the end of the day, like, that's the job, one. And two, to be rewarded from the customer with a tip like that, it just makes you feel so special. So, like, when, I mean, on that level, when dispensaries are training their bud tenders and their bud tenders are literally getting monetary money back for the education, I mean, they're they're not going to want to go anywhere else. They're going to want to stay there. They're going to feel secure with their job, and they're going to feel like they're in a conducive environment that fosters that positive growth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I would agree. Okay. Well, thank you, Winston. I think this was very, you know, educational for both consumers as well as operators, a little bit more insight on, you know, the bud tender side of things. Um, but let's go ahead and just switch bases here and talk a little bit about, you know, some advice you have for young entrepreneurs looking to enter the industry. What would you suggest? Okay, so I have a a few things. The biggest one would be to always remain extremely flexible. The cannabis industry in particular. I mean, if you're going into owning a business, you need to be flexible in general. But with the cannabis industry constantly changing laws, constantly changing regulations, you just have to be able to take the punches and get back up and keep going. Um, For example, if your POS system shuts down or you get cut off from your bank or... You were making CBD products and now you can't sell them in your state anymore because of an FDA regulation. Just being able to bounce back and sort of 
be flexible and say, okay, what else can I do to make money? That's super important. The second thing I would say is the most important is to always stay curious. You know, you may think that you've learned it all, but there is always a new discovery. There is always something out there that you didn't know. Um, and staying curious and staying open and asking questions is how you're going to change the world, you know? So flexibility and staying curious are the two best ways to ensure that one, you're going to have a really fun life and two, it'll never feel like you're working and three, your business will stay successful. Mm -hmm. Such solid advice, really. Yeah. I love the flexibility part because it's, it's literally no joke that something will change. Something will come out of left field and you'll be like, what in the world didn't plan for that? Yeah, and, that's and even life. interpersonal <laughs> stuff, dealing with clients. You may yeah. have a great client, you may have a terrible client, you may have somebody that really grinds your gears, but, you know, you got to put, you know, bacon on the table. What are you, yeah. you, know, you going to say? At the end of the day, exactly. this is about money. I think we sugarcoat a lot of stuff and are like, starting a new business is like, you know, super fun, but like at the end of the day, they're financial parts of this that are so much bigger than you know branding or marketing like yeah. you know you've got to be able to pay the bills we've all got bills yeah we've all got bills all i've got is bills, bills. right yeah. and so you know being able to stay flexible is what's going to be able to keep your bills paid um because if you stay stubborn and say i'm not going to change or i don't want to deal with that person or i don't want to put my head down and and work through the pain well you're going to fail that's it that's yeah. all i gotta say you know yeah, I saw something today that was talking about, and it's been totally overdone. So hear me out on this, guys. I'm sorry. But it was talking <laughs> about how, you know, you an entrepreneurship is putting in the work now so that, you know, you can sit back and, you know, have a better life later. And talking about how a lot of the people won't put in the work now, you know, and change their lifestyle and lose sleep and lose money and be broke and all of that, not be able to make travel. Mistakes. Yeah, make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it all happens. Put out a shitty first product. I mean, that's life. And 90% of people aren't ever going to do that. But that's why, you know, you're trying to be in the, in the field of that 10% who did put in the work and, and came through. And another thing I want to touch on, because I was so inspiring, and I really did love that, is don't be scared. I mean, it's really hard to not be. But if you've got something and you have this like fire in your stomach, and you can't sleep at night, and you can't stop thinking about it, that means something. That's your gut telling you that you are there for a reason. And so I would say pursue it. If you have to bootstrap it, bootstrap it. If you have to find angel investors, find angel investors. You know, if you don't have the startup money, you know, do your best with what you've got. Because eventually you'll get to this point where you look back and you say, I cannot believe I did that. I'm so happy I did. Look at the life I've created for myself from, you know, that fire in my stomach. So... Mm -hmm. If you feel you've got something, follow it. Follow your heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. Love that. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, Winston, how can people find you online? Sure. Um, we're at thehighlyeducated.com. I just want to tell everyone it's the highly educated, And then it's the highly educated on Instagram. And um, yeah, we're, we're on Instagram. If you want to find me on LinkedIn, it's Winston Boney. We're also on Facebook. Uh, we're pretty much on any social media platform. And we actually do a lot of like educational posting on our Instagram as well. So if you're looking for a free cannabis education platform, please follow us at The Highly Educated. We talk a lot about mental health, illness, um, mental health, and cannabis. And um, it's just a really open, vulnerable space for people to um, 
you know, communicate with one another. Yeah, it's a very cool page, so definitely check it out. Thank give you. them a follow, give them some love, let them know the Lit and Lucid podcast sent you over there. <laughs> all right, Winston. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge with us. We appreciate it, um, and hopefully, some everybody got a little bit of tidbits from that episode. Love it. Yeah, you guys are gems. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. And again, congrats on 80 episodes. It's so awesome. Oh, thank you. All right, you guys. With that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Laters.